The Chargers found themselves in another hectic late game scenario, but this time they had Khalil Mack and they held on to win. You are locked on Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers post-game show. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer. And we've been covering the Chargers together for six seasons now, but now we are fully in our fifth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Thank you guys so much for making us your first listen and a great week one where the Chargers escape and find victory and don't fall into an 0-1 hole in the AFC West. But to make sure you never miss shows like this, go subscribe to the Lockdown Chargers YouTube channel and also follow the show for free on all platforms wherever you get your podcast from. But David, it has to start on the defensive side in this one. We were getting just about giddy at the end of the last show, just thinking like we get to see Khalil Mack in a Chargers uniform. And boy, did he put on against his former team. Three sacks on the day, a fourth quarter sack on fourth and eight to seal the game for the Chargers, who had a really, really good showing by Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert was insane in this game, yet in the second half, the Chargers offense still ended up getting a little bit too conservative, right? And they didn't take the chances that they had to end things on their own terms. So we'll get into Justin Herbert's big day and why the Chargers offense seemed to falter. But the Chargers also had a big injury in this game as well. Keenan Allen had to leave this game in the first half and the Chargers it wasn't the biggest excuse why their offense wasn't good, but it definitely hurt them down the stretch. We're going to talk about the impact there and a couple of key guys like Gerald Everett and DeAndre Carter coming up big in this one. But David, it starts with the defense and it starts with Khalil Mack as good as advertised. The Chargers win 24 to 19. They don't do it without the defensive performance that they had in this game and especially in the second half, just turning the ball over on Derek Carr three separate times, three interceptions for the Chargers, an acrobatic one by Drew Tranquil. You have Asante Samuel Jr. tracking it down when it was targeted for Devontae Adams and Bryce Callahan playing huge early dividends. But how do you not start with Khalil Mack, David, who just absolutely wrecked this game? Yes, he sure did. And for Khalil Mack, this is a guy that was not speaking very much. You know, all the media members were trying to get anything they could out of him. But he was just saying, just wait, just wait and watch what I do. If you think that I uh, I don't have enough gas left in the tank, well, guess what? I definitely do. Three sacks, dominant and doing it in a multitude of different ways, backing up the tackle all, all the way into the quarterback's lap, oh, yeah. using the quick moves that, I mean, also being a, a force and run support as well. Khalil Mack was vintage Khalil Mack in this game, and man, is that a welcomed, beautiful sight to compliment Joey Bosa. These two guys are going to do incredible things all season long. And it's huge, David. I mean, to win the game like this, obviously, it shouldn't have been a game as late in the fourth quarter as it was. And we'll talk about what kind of led to that situation. But this defense coming through over and over again, missing one of their best players in J.C. Jackson. I mean, it was monumental because so many times the story was last year, right? Justin Herbert putting the team on his back and then the defense kind of letting it slip away. And in this one day, I posted like it's not the chart. You know, Justin Herbert didn't play great. He played fantastically. But the Chargers went out and won this game. 
for Justin Herbert in the offense. They bailed out the Chargers' offense. Joey Bosa, a sack and a half. Derwin James was an absolute menace. Maybe not have hit your bold prediction, but it has to be pretty dang close with how well he played because he was a monster. (laughs) But, like, just to have that, I think, is one of the biggest takeaways from week one is, hey, sometimes the games are going to get like this. It's going to get close late in the game. It's going to turn into a slugfest. You're going to have to have those closers on defense that we've been talking about all offseason, and they won this game for the Chargers' offense. No question. And – just imagine now, now you have a defense that can bail your quarterback out instead of the other way around. Yeah. Last year, Justin Herbert had to overcome his defense, giving up 28 points per game on the on a regular basis. And yeah. now you see in this game, of course, the Chargers made a lot of moves in the offseason. They got deeper at pretty much every level of their defense. But there was no guarantee that these guys were going to be able to come in and actually perform to the level that you expect or that you want them to but they did that and more. I mean, not only do they do they harass Derek Carr throughout the game, they pick him off three separate times. Asante Samuel Jr. gets one. Bryce Callahan gets one. And I think probably the best one of all was Drew Tranquil. That was the first one of them all. <laughs> really acrobatic interception. But when your defense is doing that and getting your getting the ball back to your offense as many times as they did in this game, I mean, you can't talk about this game without saying that this defense was the reason why you won. Yeah, and I mean, Derek Carr tied his career high in interceptions with three in this game, but I'm glad you brought up the interceptions because there are two that I want to stick on. The first is Asante Samuel Jr., and if you didn't watch the game, Devontae Adams roasted the Chargers secondary pretty much all the game, and we knew that was going to be a possibility when you don't have J.C. Jackson, but I was super impressed with the resiliency of, you know, Asante Samuel Jr. to get back in this game and make some big plays late in it. I mean, he had a play where I've been on Twitter. Yeah, I think Devontae Adams separated by like 25 yards on him. Like he just absolutely lost Asante Samuel Jr. He was out of the picture, went for a 41-yard gain. But he came back on second and 25, comes up and gets a huge pass breakup that sets up a third and 25 and ends up making the Raiders have to settle for a field goal, which really changed the game, I think, at that point. And then also you have the interception from him, Derek Carr going deep, him leaving his man and Hunter Renfro on the right side, falling back into the play over the shoulder grab on the goal line. I don't know how that wasn't a touchback. That made no sense. But then you have Bryce Callahan, David, who absolutely put the clamps on Hunter Renfro and also intercepted Derek Carr when trying to target Hunter Renfro on a big play late in the game. Hunter Renfro? Who's that? (laughs) Where was he at in this game? He was absolutely locked up by Bryce Callahan. He had three catches for a little over 20 yards. That was it. He was a non-factor. This is a guy that had 100-plus catches and 1,000 receiving yards last year. And Bryce Callahan, a guy who has had some injury issues throughout his career, but when healthy is one of the best slot corners in the NFL, showed what he is capable of doing when he is healthy. That is no easy task. Hunter Renfro is an incredible route runner, and Bryce Callahan was in his hip pocket play after play after play. He completely erased Hunter Renfro and made him a non-factor in this game. Yeah, and I mean, although, you know, Devontae Adams shredded them at times, like I do think it was a gutsy performance, and it's kind of hard to take away, you know, like how poorly like Michael Davis or Asante Samuel Jr. played in this one just because it like it is Devontae Adams. And when they were getting the best in the league, if not the best in the league. Exactly. So it's like it's hard to be too harsh on them. 
Then again, I mean, this defense obviously needs J.C. Jackson. It should be huge if they can get him back on Thursday night against the Chiefs. But for the Chargers to escape this game the way they did and for the defense to go win it, I think just shows you a huge changing tide from the 2021 Chargers team because this team can win these defensive battles. It can hold the team to under 20 points. I mean, that is such a huge thing for this Chargers team going forward. And you just got contributions all over the place, right? Yes, there were some bad plays mixed in. The offense asked a ton of them in this game and kept giving it back and kept failing to capitalize (laughs) on opportunities late in this one because the Chargers defense did all it could. I mean, how many, you know, fourth quarter turnovers, second half turnovers, you know, multiple interceptions, a couple of forced fumbles they couldn't go on. But to me, I mean, Khalil Mack having that sack on fourth and eight, David, I mean, for the Chargers pass rush to get home as many times as they did, like, I mean, six sacks in this game. I can't wait to see the pressure numbers. That's where it started. They really helped out the Chargers secondary. Uh, absolutely. I mean, they were instrumental uh, and, you know, to see Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, uh, you know, habitually harass Derek Carr in this game and make it uncomfortable. I mean, that was one of our keys in, in this game was, hey, you have to get pressure on Derek Carr. You have to make him feel uncomfortable because when he's rushed, just like pretty much every other quarterback, he starts to make errant throws or, you know, he starts starts to feel pressure that's not there. And that definitely happened in this game. There is no question Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa screaming off the corners on the outside were instrumental. And also the guys in the middle. I mean, I think Sebastian Joseph Day had a pretty good game in this one as well. And also those additions to the run defense, they definitely showed up. They held the Raiders to 64 yards rushing in this game. And that's music to my ears after giving up 140 rushing yards per game on average last season with the guys that they have. And then to go out, go get guys that are going to fix the run defense or, or have a track record of fixing the run defense, go out there and show you exactly why the Chargers paid them the money that they did. An all-encompassing effort for this Chargers defense here in week one. Yeah, I mean, the average yards per carry, they let a few big runs happen at the end of the game that kind of messed things up there. But in the first half, they were dominant. 14 yards on seven carries by the Raiders. They never let that be a part of the Raiders offense. And it seems worse than it is, especially because of all the extra possessions that were given to the Raiders, especially as far as the total yardage late in that game, because yeah. the Chargers didn't do what they needed to do offensively. But Justin Herbert had some incredible throws in this game. I mean, that dude is just a diamond level quarterback, just like Khalil Mack is still a diamond level edge defender. So we're going to get into Justin Herbert's really, really great performance with the defense or the offense getting too conservative late. I should say, coming up right after this. But first, just like the diamonds the Chargers have, you want to protect your diamonds with Brightco, the best jewelry and watch insurance out there. And I mean, this is something I had nightmares about, especially when I was getting ready to get engaged to my now wife. And it was if I lost the ring. And I just saw a video of two people on a dock, a kid and a dad trying to have a cute moment. All of a sudden, the ring ends up going through the dock. Now it's in the middle of the water. Good luck finding that one. I mean, that one is pretty brutal. And now that dude splattered all over the internet. And that's the last thing that you want. So one of the best things that you can do is take care of yourself, cover yourself with Brico. because here's the lesson. You just don't want to be that guy. And you certainly don't want it splattered all over the internet. The guys at Brightco Jewelry Insurance will make sure you get a replacement for the full value of that ring, no matter if it's lost, stolen, or just can't figure out what happened to it, which is already something that's happened to me with my wedding ring already. Go to bright.co forward slash locked on. It's the fastest and easiest and cheapest way to cover yourself with the best jewelry insurance in the business. All right, David. Well, we talked about the defense and they are the story in this game to me, but not far behind it, I think, is Justin Herbert still looking incredibly crazy at quarterback, just with some God-level type of throws in this one. I mean, the dude just 
you want to talk about big time throws, Justin Herbert had about, you know, four, three or four of them just in the first half at alone. least. And he was firing on all cylinders. And I think he deserves to be shouted out in this game. We'll get into the frustrations late in the game. But just remember, I mean, David, some of those throws, you have a throw to Gerald Everett for a 20-plus yard touchdown in which he just puts a bullet in there running to his left. Gerald Everett finishes it in the end zone. Then you have the throw to DeAndre Carter, right? And another touchdown that puts the Chargers up early where he's just, again, fitting a needle in there. From, you know, crazy distance, like he was incredible in this game, completed 75% of his passes, about three touchdowns, 279 yards, 129 passer rating. I mean, David, the offense might have struggled late in this game, but Justin Herbert was a freak. Justin Herbert was unbelievable. It's just like, okay, well, broken record. Hello, play the same tape over and over again. Just Justin Herbert doing what he does. And I think what was most impressive for me, Daniel, was his ability to feel pressure and move in the pocket. Yeah. He does that better than pretty much any quarterback in the league. It just, you know, staying standing tall in the pocket, you know, not letting that rush affect him, keeping his eyes locked downfield and still yeah. delivering dime after dime after dime. That is what Justin Herbert does. And it just goes to show you, I mean, hey, we were talking about MVP type of hype here for Justin Herbert, and this game is not giving us any reason not to believe that he is on that level. And this is just game number one. He is going to get even better as the games go by. Yeah, and I mean, he spent a lot of this game without his number one receiver in Keenan Allen, who still ended up being the leading receiver in this game. But we'll talk about him and the impact of that after this segment but David I mean either way even though we're talking up Justin Herbert I mean the conservative play calling in the second half by the Chargers offense almost cost them this game I mean I'm not going to mince any words with it because three these are the next four drives after the Chargers last touchdown they last scored the Chargers last scored points in this game with six minutes and 42 seconds left in the third quarter unacceptable and with Justin Herbert and we were talking about a god you know we're just saying how good he is for you to do that as an offense totally unacceptable in this one I mean at least to me that was something that I thought was just absolutely brutal but also though these were the next four drives after that last touchdown punt punt missed 49 yard field goal and another punt with all opportunities you were up by double digits for the most part to go and win the game and the other part of it was three of those four drives started with a rush just running the football those three rushes ended up going for four yards. Dave, that almost cost them the game. Hopefully the Chargers can learn from this because I really, really hated that end of game, what they were doing and seemingly not trusting the guy who is an MVP level quarterback. Why? Why are we doing this again? Why are we being so conservative on first and second down, just automatically running the football? Why are you doing this when Justin Herbert is slicing up the Raiders secondary pretty much at will, doing whatever he wants. It doesn't matter. They're not stopping him. They didn't really, I mean, they they got a little bit of pressure, but they never got him on the ground. They never picked him off. He was very accurate in this game. It does not make sense to me that you are trying to do the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. If it's not working early on early downs, running the ball, then switch it up. Stop doing the same things. We know when Justin Herbert throws the ball on early downs, the Chargers offense is at its best. And they were not doing that in this game, especially in the second half. It was infuriating, and I don't know why they did it. Hopefully they see the flow of the game when Justin Herbert is throwing on early downs and they make the appropriate adjustment going up against the Chiefs on Thursday night. 
Yeah, exactly. It's can stuff. It's stuff you can't have against the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs are a better team than the Raiders, as they showed in week one, at least as we see it right now. That's not going to fly. And the other thing that was pretty frustrating as well, besides the conservative play calling by Joe Lombardi late in this game, I mean, let Justin Herbert throw it on first down. The dude's pretty much automatic in this game. He's completing three out of four of his passes. Let him go win you the game. Find the killer instinct. Do not let it come down to a final drive where the Raiders have the ball to go and potentially take the lead, right? And we saw that story play out too many times. And credit to the Chargers because it didn't play out that way this time, led by the defense. At the same time, if you keep flirting with that, it's going to come back to haunt you. And there's just better teams on the Chargers schedule where they're not going to be able to afford to do that. And they're going to have to score late in games. They're going to have to answer. And most importantly, take advantage of the Chargers defense turnovers. The Chargers had multiple turnovers where the Chargers offense came back and would miss a field goal. Right in the second half, you miss a field goal, and then you have another one where you go three and out. Like you, you got to make that, that hurt, happen. man. You got to make it hurt. Hundred percent. The other thing that kind of bugged me too was the short yardage, early down situations. The first one, they get into a third and one, they give it to Xander Horvath. He goes and picks it up. I love to see that. He got the second carry of the Chargers season. That one worked great. Then they ended up doing it three next times. They were in a short yardage situation on a big time down. They ran it and they failed. It was one to Austin Eckler where they had him punting around the mid, you know, 50-yard line, which great punt by J.K. Scott, by the way, putting it on the two-yard line. Time. Yeah. I don't remember the last time another Chargers punter put one on the two-yard line. But, uh, you know, that you end up, you know, stalling out near midfield because of that. You ran it and didn't get it on third and one. It's like, what are we doing there? And then you get another third and one situation. You run it again with Austin Eckler. And then on fourth down, you do a quarterback sneak with Justin Herbert, and he gets absolutely swallowed. Like, the running game wasn't effective enough to nearly, you know, justify that play calling in those situations. That's something I hope we see them. I mean, I'd rather you take a shot than just continuing to run it up the middle when you're not having success with it. Yeah, it doesn't make sense, like I said. But, you know, one thing I think is kind of funny, Daniel, and very interesting is that the guys that scored touchdowns in this game for the Chargers are all new members of the Chargers. Xander Harvath catching the, the first touchdown pass, and then it's Gerald Everett. <laughs> and, you know, and it's uh, DeAndre Carter. <clears throat> excuse me. DeAndre Carter, yeah. I mean, the, the missile from, from Justin Herbert in between we'll two defenders. It kind of seemed like the Mike Williams touchdown towards the end of the game uh, in week 18 of last year's uh, season. So, I mean – phenomenal plays for the Chargers. It just shows you the depth of this offense. When Keenan Allen does go down, they have guys that can step up, be able to go out there and play and still maintain some level of offensive continuity. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's all about the Chargers and not letting that situation happen again and, and learning yeah. from how close this one was and, and realizing that it never had to be this close. We'll no. talk about Keenan Allen because that is going to have a major impact, and they definitely felt it when they kept running the ball twice and then throwing it on third down at the time they did that. It would have been nice to have at least Keenan Allen on the field for that, but I think the Chargers have yeah. relied too heavily on knowing, hey, we have that guy there and he's going to be open even if we have to go to a third down and five or something like that. Overall, the Chargers' offense just didn't get it done late in the game, and Justin Herbert and the Chargers' offensive weapons, even without Keenan Allen, are good enough to score points after 642 left in the third quarter against that specific Raiders defense. But a lot of it did stem from the Keenan Allen injury to some extent. I mean, there's no excuse for it, but Keenan Allen missing definitely is going to hurt the Chargers. We're going to talk about the impact of that. And if guys like DeAndre Carter and Gerald Everett can – keep it up without him right if they do have to miss him for some time but the biggest question I mean really David coming out of that is where was Mike Williams in this game because he was not to be seen so we're going to talk about that coming up right after this but first I need to tell you guys that I hope you had your prize picks in 
for week one. I had a ton of fun with my prize pick selections on week one with the Chargers. A ton of guys that you could go with there. Keenan Allen, I mean, even with being injured, just about had his. That was crazy. But what Price Picks is, is the number one daily fantasy site. And what you do on Price Picks is you are playing against the Price Picks projections. So you're not playing against one on one with someone else. You're just playing against the house, basically. And all you have to do is find a projection, say if that player is going to go over or under whatever that selected number is, and you win. And not only can you win, but you can pick two to five players. And if they go and score more than less than their Price Pick projection, projection you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry that's a ton of money you guys can be winning at price picks and there's a ton of fun entries you guys can make there and i'd love price picks because they keep it fun and it will keep you glued even to games that aren't chargers games and even to sports that aren't football you can find them on the nba college football mma golf wherever you find sports they have price picks projections there so make sure you guys go to and download the price picks app or go to pricepicks.com to sign up and play the daily fantasy sports site first time users can receive a 100 instant deposit match that's free money if you put in a hundred dollars they will give you a hundred dollars maximum if you put in fifty dollars they will give you fifty dollars so make sure you guys don't forget to use the promo code locked on at sign up for that instant deposit match up to a hundred dollars All right, David. Well, yeah, obviously one of the the bad takeaways from this game is Keenan Allen. He ended up leaving in the second quarter, came up. He was a non-contact injury, so that's never good to see. But he did make it off the field under his own power. He went directly into the locker room and didn't come back. The Chargers did put out that he wasn't coming back because of a hamstring injury. So you're hoping that's something where it's like a hamstring pull, something that happened because of the heat during the game. But at the same time, David, I mean – if Chargers fans have taken Keenan Allen for granted, it would be hard to after the way he started this game. That's the the suckiest part of this, for lack of a better term, is just kind of like he was going off. They were targeting him yeah. deep. He had a 40-plus yard catch in this game. He was looking as good as we've seen him with Justin Herbert as his quarterback, you know, 64 yards leading the team for the game. And he did that all, you know, halfway through the second quarter. David, we have to see what the severity is. I mean, you almost assume automatically that he's going to miss the game on Thursday night football against the Chiefs. And that is going to be hugely important because the Chargers really struggle without him out there. It wasn't all because of that, but that definitely didn't help. No, it didn't help. And, and yes, it was very sad to, to see Keenan go out because one of the things I wanted to see the Chargers do with Keenan Allen more often this year is to target him deeper down the football field. And and we saw that in this game. We saw how effective Dime. that is, you know, that, that can be. And obviously you saw the throw that, Brandon Staley said in this press conference after the game that was the best throw of the game. And, I mean, yeah. it's kind of hard to argue with the head coach there. I mean, just a, another beautiful throw. And it seems like we saw something similar to that last year. It's just Justin Herbert's ability to, to replicate those just ridiculous high-level throws and the accuracy that he throws it with is unbelievable. But Keenan Allen was, you know, it was vintage Keenan Allen. I mean, year 10, looking really good, still burning guys, still getting open you know, making big catches, leading the Chargers in receiving yards, and then he goes down with the injury. And, you know, hopefully, yeah, yeah of course, he's probably going to miss this Thursday game. But, hey, you have like an extra bye week after this because you got about 10 or 11 days before your next contest. So hopefully that helps Keenan Allen get back on the football field. But when he did go out, it definitely seemed like there was a little bit of a different version of the Chargers offense out there. I mean, they still scored multiple times after that. So that, that's no excuse for the late game meltdown by the Chargers offense. But it was great to see those guys step up. I mean, when DeAndre Carter started with the Chargers, we had no idea whether it was going to be him just as a punt returner or how much impact he would have on the Chargers offense. He showed it a big time in week one. Three catches, 64 yards and a touchdown for him. Then you go to Gerald Everett, another new guy, three catches, 
54 yards and a touchdown. I wish they targeted him more late because he was, yeah, being, he was as really physical too. after the catch. Yeah, he dragged yeah. a Raider into the end zone for the Chargers' last touchdown, right? And it was really great to see those guys step up when the Chargers really needed it. We'll get to Mike Williams in a second, but those two dudes didn't come through late, late in the game, but they absolutely picked up the slack, and they had really, really good debuts for the Chargers. Yeah, and, and it just goes to show you, hey, DeAndre Carter was definitely not brought in here just to be a punt and kick returner. They have plans for him on offense. They felt like he could do more, felt like the, the same things that make him effective as a punt returner, kick returner, the short area quickness, the ability you know, to really have good vision in the open field are reasons why he's also going to be a, a good addition to the Chargers offense. And hey, obviously we know injuries happen, so to have a guy to be able to step up and be able to perform and when his name is called upon, I mean, that's really, really good news for the Chargers. Obviously, Josh Palmer didn't do a lot in this game, but still have a lot of high hopes for him, and I know he's going to do very, very well. But Gerald Everett, uh, you know, a guy that we were very excited about joining this Chargers offense, a guy who you know we know brings the yards after contact, and he showed it in this game. Also provided some really good blocks as well. Uh, spring, you know, a couple of those decent runs that the Chargers had. They didn't have many, but uh, I definitely remember one key block that sprung. Uh, I believe it was Josh Kelly on a, a very good run up the middle, but, um, you know, a very welcomed addition to this Chargers offense, uh, a guy who's going to get a lot of opportunities this year. Yeah, and I mean, shout out to the Chargers offense who did go out on the very last drive after the sack of Derek Carr and didn't leave it up to a field goal, right, because they ended up running the ball three times and getting a first down. They didn't have a ton of that. The offensive line and pass protection was really good. The run blocking, yeah. not as good, even though, you know, yeah. I did think Josh Kelly had a good game, but. Let's talk about Mike Williams, David, or the lack thereof in this one, because, yeah, you talked about Josh Palmer needing a bigger game than he had. Mike Williams was basically a race in this game. Two catches on four targets for only 10 yards. When they needed him late, they weren't targeting him enough or he wasn't getting open enough. We'll have to see that kind of on the watchback. But, I mean, David, this is a $20 million a year receiver, right? And there was reasons kind of we were back and forth on giving him that money. But if Keenan Allen is out, you're getting paid like a number one receiver. you got to go play like a number one receiver. And it seemed like to me what happened in this game was as soon as Keenan Allen went out, not that he produced anything when Keenan Allen was in, Nate Hobbs ended up moving from Keenan Allen to Mike Williams and just about locked him up. I mean, how they play on a conversion late in the game where he knocked the ball away and Mike Williams couldn't come down with it. I think one of Mike Williams' targets was actually maybe two Keenan Allen on a third and seven in the first half that led to the first yeah. Dustin Hopkins field goal. So it might have really only been three targets, but only came down with two in that's just not good enough, David. I mean, he has to be better for this offense going forward. He has to be a big-time receiver. He's getting paid like a big-time receiver. I don't want to go all in on him until I can go see, you know, how open he was getting. Maybe he just wasn't targeted. But needless to say, he has to have a bigger game than he did. And that's one of the reasons the Chargers offense was hurt late. Yeah, I mean, I, I had people that were are messaging me like, is Mike Williams even on the field? Is he playing right now? Is he is he there? I'm like, yeah, he's there. He's just not catching any passes. He's just not getting targeted. And Brandon Staley did say they had several things up for Mike Williams in this game. They just didn't get to, whether it was by coverage or whether they were getting pressure on the quarterback and they, they couldn't get it to him. But Mike Williams didn't show up in this game. And unfortunately, that is something that we saw last year. There were a couple of games where he didn't really produce. And, you know, that's why, you know, you were talking about how we were a little hesitant on giving Mike Williams or the Chargers giving Mike Williams that type of money. And, you know, this is the example why. But I think the good thing is or, uh, you know, good reason to feel good about what Mike Williams is going to do is he's going up against the Chiefs on Thursday. Yeah. 
and Must he have. owns the Chiefs. He always shows up for the <laughs> Chiefs. He is a big play guy. He gets up for those games. It's very obvious, very clear. So Mike Williams better show up on Thursday to erase the bad taste in our mouth after this performance where he really was kind of invisible. Yeah, I mean, the thing is with him is he's always been kind of an up-and-down player, right? Even last year, yeah. but there was a three-game stretch where he never eclipsed two catches per game. So, like, that's always been the concern with him. That being said, once he's the focal point of the offense, like he was a lot of times last year as well, and getting those kind of targets, he has to come through with them. And the targets are going to be coming his way, especially on Thursday yeah. Night Football. He's going to have to have a big one because he can't play in the offensive line. Shout out to Trey Pipkins, right? Got beat badly once that I can remember for sure. But that offensive line held up great in pass protection. The running game, even with the new stable of running backs, David, didn't do enough in this one. I mean, the blocking really wasn't there. That Josh Kelly looked good, but outside of that, the rest of the short yardage runs and all that stuff really mucked up the Chargers average. And I think it was just unnecessary and not necessarily playing to their strengths. But I think the offensive line gets a big check going up against Chandler Jones. Wait, who? <laughs> just kidding. You wouldn't know because you wouldn't see him out there. You, His name wasn't called at all except for maybe a missed tackle he had on Josh Kelly, right? And Max Crosby, a couple of plays here and there, but he was a big no-show in this game as well. Rashawn Slater. Yeah, just in case you, just in case you thought Rashawn Slater was a one-year aberration, Flashing well, I can sit here and tell you <laughs> that that is not the case because Chandler Jones did nothing against <laughs> Rashawn Slater in this game. Rashawn Slater erased him just like Bryce Callahan erased Hunter Renfro, okay? So, yeah. it's man, it's great. It's great to have Rashawn Slater at left tackle. That guy is just a stabilizing force. Also, Corey Lindsley in the middle, you know, helping with the protections. And, you know, this Chargers offensive line, it seems like with the pieces they have in place, obviously the, the jury's still out on Pipkins. We still got to play, play some more games and yeah. see how he does. But, hey, zero sacks against those two pass rushers, I'll take it all day long and twice on Sunday. Yeah, and that for those keeping track at home, I believe it was four and a half sacks for Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa, the best in pass rushing duo in the NFL, and a combined total of zero for the Raiders edge rushers, Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, who other people tried to tell me was the number one pass rushing duo in the NFL. I'd say it's probably not really close at this point. Put some respect on Khalil Mack's name, but at the end of the day, David, the Chargers did what they did. You want to be able to adjust to wins, right, and not have to yeah. get those lessons and losses because you don't get – very many lessons in wins usually, right? You don't have things where you're like, we have to fix this. The Chargers can learn a ton from this game, and you have to be able to evolve during the season. That's the way you become a good team. The Chargers found the ways they have to change it, but a huge, huge divisional win for the Chargers at home against the Las Vegas Raiders to go 1-0 in the AFC West and get their good season off to a great start. But we'll get more into this game on Tuesday. We'll take a deeper look into it. We'll be back with you guys then, but to make sure you don't miss it, Thank you guys for joining us today. If you want, you know, making us your first listen, but to make sure you don't miss the next one, go subscribe to the Locked On Chargers YouTube channel and also follow the show for free on all platforms, wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever, and rate and review if you like the show as well. We also post the show to all of our social media, so you can hit us up at Locked On LAC on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Talk Sports and David Drogemeyer on Twitter at Drotalk SD. You can also find us at Locked On Chargers on Instagram and our Locked On Chargers Facebook page. If you guys want to get your big reactions in and potentially get them on the show on Wednesday, call into 323-524-7924. And we're trying to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show. But 1-0, baby, the Chargers did it. It was a huge, big-time win. We'll be back with you guys on Tuesday. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.